listen, I want to just ask just a question as we begin today, and I want to just ask you, like, what are you building your life upon? Like, what's the foundation under which you're, like, building your life? We all build our life on something, whether it's a premise or an idea or a concept, a career. Uh, we build it on the lives of somebody else. We build our life on something. Like, what's the foundational element that you are building your life upon? Conceptualize that, okay? Um, because it's something. It's either really strong and firm. Didn't we just sing about this? Hello. Um, we, uh, it's really strong and firm, or it's not that much. And it will be, it will be strong. It really, any, you can build your life on anything, and it will be strong until something wild shakes it, right? And then you're, then you're going to find out how strong the thing that you built your life upon is going to, how strong it is. I, let me just illustrate it like this. Um, years ago, and I've used, I've used this in so many, so many examples, and I feel like I, my, best, my best illustrations come from uh, failures at construction. <laughs> so years ago, in, in fact, I remember Scott, Scott and Kurt Miller were over at my house helping me with this. We were, we were putting rock in where we were going to lay a concrete pad for our patio. And during that time, I w- went ahead and just put in these like pillars for uh, uh, the supports for my, my deck that I was going to build eventually. And I, I mean, I thought I was doing this the right way. All I thought was like, it has to be a cylinder in the ground, right? Some concrete and I didn't realize that there was some rules about this and some like guidelines to get you to make sure that this was going to be like rock solid secure. And and so thankfully I somebody cautioned me with this like hey you need to like to pull a building permit to do this and and you need to follow some regulations with this. So I went and I found out the rules and I realized that these little cylinders that I had poured in the ground were like a joke. Okay, they were nothing. In fact, when I went to rip them out because of realizing that they weren't going to serve any purpose at all, I could really just kind of like <laughs> pick it up and put it to the side. It was just that small. And, and the, the stuff that I had to put, I had to dig these holes like three feet deep and they had to be like, I don't know, 24 inches wide and by square. And, and they, I mean, at the end of this, there was no possible way. When I anchored the beam that was going to protrude out of this, when I anchored it to that foundation, it was not going to move. This little thing that I had in my mind, my idea for a foundational element was just, it was, re, it was a reject. It wasn't going to serve any purpose. And I'm so thankful that I knew ahead of time or, or learned or read or heard from some stories from some people ahead of time that what I was thinking wasn't going to work. Because if what I was thinking, if I had followed through with what I was thinking, either to save money or save time or whatever, because I just thought, you know, I'm smart and I will make it work. If I had moved forward with that, it would be catastrophic now. It would cost me thousands of dollars to go back and fix this problem that I had just ignorantly created in the process. I've done a lot of stupid when it comes to building. Am I right, Scott? Hello. Cell phones behind brick walls, those kind of things, right? Listen, it's this, this kind of thing within our Christian life where we get an idea or a concept and we begin to build our life on something that we feel is strong. It feels good. It feels strong. It feels, it feels rock solid in the moment that we're at right now, only to realize later on that all this construction that we've done over our life is not even close to secure. It's not even close to adequate to the storms that you and I are going to face through life. And really, that's the kind of moment that I want to get us through and, and walk us into today. I, I want you to kind of just conceptualize the idea of rejected. And, and I want you to specifically question how you could or may have rejected Christ in the process of the building of your life. Now, you and I wouldn't actually say that we did that. 
I mean, that's a travesty. Why would we even think that we would reject Jesus in the building of our life? And yet so many times, so often, that's exactly what we resort to. Because let's just be honest for a minute. Sometimes the things that Jesus does and the place that Jesus leads doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. In fact, there's no like mathematical equation to get us from where we are into where Jesus is leading us. There's no way to get there. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. A lot of times, he just doesn't cue you in into how to solve the whole problem. He just says, go there. And how many times did he do this with the disciples? You know, launch out into the boat. I'm not going to go with you this time, though, because there's going to be a storm, and I need you to learn a lesson in faith. This doesn't make sense. Or, or how about the moment where he says, Peter, why don't you step out of the boat? Well, that's just dumb. I, I mean, how many times did the things that Jesus lead you into How many times did it just look and feel dumb? He didn't ask you for your permission to just mess with the details of your life. He just led you into it. And you have that like pivotal moment. Do I choose it or do I reject it? And and I fear that because so many times it doesn't make sense, we end up rejecting where the Spirit of God is leading us. And and I want you to just kind of wrap your minds around this. I want you to wrap your mind around the, the idea or the fact That Christ is king, not just a good option. Because so many times in life, I think that we compute him as a good option among so many others. And that's just not fact. Today, I want to take you, I get to take you to Acts chapter 3, my favorite chapter in all the Bible. How many times have I said that? About how many chapters? I don't know. But I just know that I've preached Acts chapter 3 so many times, and in fact, all the way back to... Good Lord, right after I got here in 2010, I, I preached out of Acts chapter 3 as like the, the direction that I was going to take the United Worship experience at the time. And, and I just remember God just unveiling so much to me from Acts chapter 3 about what the church needed to feel and look like as we moved forward. And there's so much that you and I can receive from this out of, out of, for our lives as well. It says this in verse number 1. It says, one day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for a prayer meeting. And so... Just, just understand, I, the three words that stick out to me is on their way. They're, they're, not, they're not adjusting anything about their life. They're not going into some, you know, they're not purposely going in a different direction. They're just doing life, just normal life, nothing different. We didn't get up early. We didn't prepare for anything. We're just on our way to the temple for a prayer meeting. That's what they do, right? At the same time, there was a cripple, a man crippled from birth being carried up. And every day he was set down at the temple gate. So notice the consistency. They're on their way to a, a temple thing that they do every afternoon. This guy's being carried up to the steps of the church like he does every day. He was sat down at the temple gate, then w- the one that named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. He, this guy clearly doesn't know that that's not the place to beg. There's better places to beg. Can I get a witness? Anybody? This is not the place to beg for money at the temple. No. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked them, he asked for a handout. Peter and John at his side. With John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, look here. And he looked up at them expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. That's probably a lie. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and he walked. And I just want to, uh, I want you to help you understand this. This is kind of the, the premise of where I'm getting to today. You know, we look at this guy and we look at, you know, we know the stories of Jesus. We know the healing power of Jesus. We know the things that are um, 
possible at the name of Jesus, right? Yeah, we know that. And so knowing that power, we kind of look at this guy with kind of an eye of judgment and we ask, well, why isn't he asking for more than just a nickel? Why is he just asking for, I've said this before as other times I've preached this, why is he just asking for a biscuit? You know what I mean? Why is he just asking for one little thing to get me through another day instead of, can you cure my life? Can you fix the whole problem and get me to a better place instead of just, can you just get me through today or this hour? And here's my premise. People who need Jesus don't know they need Jesus. Isn't that the fact of what you see and feel in our culture around us? Listen, the more that I see and interact with people around our community right now in a season of desperation, they only ask for what will fix their problem today. They have no idea that there is a source that can fix every part of their whole life. They're not asking for that. And that's where you and I as a church step in and we recognize the hope that we have within us and we offer them something greater. It's not about fixing a daily problem. It's about recognizing like I get what you're asking for, but I can lead you to a greater hope. I can give you something that will kill your whole life instead of just fix a symptom of what you're feeling and experiencing in this moment. That's what Peter and John are pressing into right now. He says this, the man went into the temple with him. He walked, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everybody there saw him walking around praising God, and they recognized him. They knew this was the guy. They recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple, at the temple's gate, beautiful. They rubbed their eyes, astonished, scarcely believing what they were seeing. This man threw his arms around Peter and John, ecstatic. All the people ran up to where they were at, Solomon's porch, to see it for themselves. And when Peter saw that he had a congregation, he addressed the people. Oh, Israelites, he says, why does this take you by such complete surprise? Why stare at us as if our power or piety made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his son Jesus. Listen to this. This is where it gets very pointed. The very one that Pilate called innocent, you repudiated. What does that mean? It means rejected. It's the, he's the one that you threw out. And he goes on to emphasize that more. You repudiated the holy one, the just one. And you asked for a murderer in his place. Like, I'll be honest with you. Talking to these people, as Peter was, I don't know that I'd have the boldness to be able to say what he's saying. He's literally talking to the people that nailed Jesus to a cross, telling them what they did. You no sooner killed the author of life than God raised him from the dead, and we are the witnesses. Faith in Jesus' name put this man whose condition you know so well on his feet. Yes, faith and nothing but faith put this man healed and whole right before your eyes. It came down to one simple thing, the name of Jesus. Jesus was the one who healed this, healed this man, who cured his disease, who fixed his, his, the core of his problem. Listen, I, I want you to know, church, listen, I'm going to talk to kind of two groups of people here today, the church and then those who need hope, okay? So for those of you who are church, nothing is different today. Nothing is different. There are still so many people around all of our community, our, our county, our country, our world, who are asking for the same thing right now. Do you have something that can fix my temporary problem? 
And, and the reality is this, is our job is to be mobile church. I love the fact that right now nobody gets to be in church, this building, and that we get to go, and, and like every home in America becomes church. Like we get to take church everywhere. We get to broadcast it far and wide. Where, wherever, you take your, wherever you take your voice, wherever you take your message, that's where church becomes. Our job is to be mobile church in this movement, in this moment. Nothing has changed. Listen, I want you to understand this. We, we all get stuck on like the healing part of this. You know, Peter and John, here they are. They look this man in the eye, they lifted him up, and he walks. I, I want you to know that nothing has changed from that day until now. It wasn't Peter and John's job to do the healing. It was their job to look him in the eye and help him up. Does that make sense? Like our job is just to be the catalytic moment that connects of people who don't, need, who don't know they need Jesus to Jesus. That's all they did. And, and the power of God did everything else. That's our moment in this, in this situation, in this season of life. It's just to connect people to the hope that's found in the powerful name of Jesus. It's, it, it was simply their opportunity to take him to a greater hope. And, and so I want you to understand this because I hear this all the time. Stop focusing on the things that you don't have. We get hung up so often on, I don't have what you're asking for. I mean, if, if Peter and John were in that moment, they would be like, sorry, dude, we don't have a nickel to our name. We don't have silver or gold. And so let's just keep going into the temple because we're going to pray. We're going to be super religious in this moment. No, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you have access to. They're still asking for silver or gold. This is what I don't have. What I do have is a source of hope, and in the name of that hope, I will help you receive what you need. That's our job as church. Can I get an amen, people? <laughs> the overarching issue became who or what healed this man. That's what they boiled this all down to. What did we just experience? What did we just see? You and I, we say that we certainly don't have issues with that, don't we? We know. I mean, we can read the book of Acts. We can see plainly and clearly that it was the powerful name of Jesus that did this. And yet my premise is, is that you and I are still stuck in a position of choosing or rejecting the powerful name of Jesus. And that's my concern. You know, this, this also still, still to, the church, to the church people, the ones who would name Jesus as Christ and say, we're following you. How often in your world do you come against this, uh, 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 whatever and you have this choice to choose to follow or choose to reject and you still choose to reject? Why, why do we do that? E even though we know we've been, it's proven to us in our minds. In our hearts, in our belief, in our understanding, in every day with all these stories, but then life examples that we can see around us about the powerful name of Jesus, do we still reject that name for common sense? Because Jesus and common sense oftentimes don't coincide. It doesn't make sense, some of the things that he leads us into. But we know that's where his power is. Why do we still reject it? Right after this, it says that Peter and John were imprisoned for this. They're arrested they're thrown in prison overnight, held. Next day, they face a trial to justify their actions. Why? It's not that they were on trial. It's that the powerful name of Jesus was. And, and is there any way that we can explain this another angle? Listen, uh, again, nothing's different from that day until now. There are still and there will always be people that don't want the message of the cross to move forward. They're going to try to subvert it, cut its legs off, and explain it another way. Well, that can't be that. 
can't be that, that that's what happened. Well, how do you explain it? H- how do we get around this? Honestly, my, my concern, church, is that we're getting to a spot in our life where we begin to question the powerful name of Jesus too. And we begin to reject it. We begin to cast it off, explain it away, don't believe. We've lost our belief in who he is. And listen, just recently, uh, you know, I went through a season of time probably in the last, I don't know, three or four years ago where I was, I was at that spot where I'm questioning, does prayer actually do anything? Does it really work? Can we call on the name of Jesus and expect an answer? Man, I'm at the spot right now where I, I, I totally believe in this. I believe I've seen it work. I've seen God move in people's lives and their stories as a result of prayer. And so what, what inhibits or what prohibits our prayer? What, what prohibits us or what, what prevents us, what stops us from actually calling him on his name, the powerful name of Jesus, to, to present itself and to change lives around us? What are, what are we praying for? What are we asking this God to do? I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's so many moments in our world where our, the content of our prayer is, God bless our food. That's the deepest we can get with the name of Jesus. I mean, what literally, what really are we asking the powerful name of Jesus to do? I, I would expect or assume that we're at a season in life where God is bored with the content of our prayers. We, we pray yawning prayers. I mean, what would it take for us to get to a spot where we would make God sweat with the content of our thoughts? Where we would make him stress about, how am I going to figure that out? How am I going to accomplish that through the powerful name of Jesus? Not actually saying that that would happen. Because as we have seen, and man, as we mentioned in Flow Night last night, nothing is impossible with this God. Nothing is. In Acts chapter 4, this story continues, and it says this, the next day, A meeting was called in Jerusalem, the rulers, the religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas, the the chief priests, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, everybody who was anybody was there. They They stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and they grilled them. Who put you in charge here and what business do you have doing this? And I love this point. With that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. Only through the power of the Spirit of God can this this kind of thing happen. This is another explosive, powerful moment of the Spirit of God, just like we talked about last week. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we've been brought on trial today for helping a sick man put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on the cross, the one God raised from the dead, By means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Now listen to this. This is the premise of my whole talk. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes in no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. Now listen, if you and I were in that audience that day with Peter and John, if we were kind of standing kind of behind him at his flank or whatever and just kind of, you know, with him in this, it'd be an amazing moment and none of us would deny it. The difference becomes is when you're the speaker, when you are Peter and you are full of the Holy Spirit and it's your moment to testify. It's your moment to speak up. It's your moment to move forward. It's you, you're, nobody else is there. It's your moment to say, I either believe in this cornerstone foundation or I'm going to reject it. 
And I just have to wonder, how does this flesh out when, with you and the things that you face in your world, in your life? Well, let's be honest with you. The world right now, the world that you know, the world that you are facing right now, it is so different than anything you've ever seen before. It's tough. It's ugly. It's frustrating. It's scary. And I want to just connect you to it today to a foundational element that will not move. You know, the reality is, is that even if you and I have done some rejecting in our lives, the Lord plainly and clearly invites us back. There's never a moment where we do not have opportunity to be with Him, to come back to Him, to restore a foundation. Sometimes it can be expensive. Sometimes there's some demolition that needs to take place. Sometimes there's some tearing out and some clearing that needs to happen in your life so that you can make way for the Spirit of God to come in and so you can restore that foundation. And I just wonder if maybe that's some of, some of you today. That's, that's something of your story, something of your life that, that you need to say, you know what, I've been rejecting, I need to restore. I need to bring back. I need to rebuild this. I need to, I need to put this in my life today. Someone once asked me, just this week, somebody asked me this question about this verse in Matthew. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 says this. It says, anyone, so I tell you, um, every sin of blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. And we get hung up on that, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the one to come. And so we get confused by this. Like, this is literally saying that I, I might not be forgiven for this. You know, I just kind of want to, I wanted to step into this because it became such a pivotal question that this person asked me, and it, and it, it would, it brings up, like, what, what if I've done this? My explanation to this is, is this, is that the only blaspheme blaspheming against the Holy Spirit that we can do, <coughs> excuse me, is by rejecting the opportunity we have to believe in Him. This rejection only happens at the point of judgment, when you are dead, when you are in heaven, or when you are in front of the judgment seat of Christ. That's, that's when it's like, it's too late. You don't, get to, you don't get to go back on this. You don't get to change your mind at that moment. You know, it's, you've had your opportunity. I firmly believe with all of my heart, every single person on earth has an opportunity to believe. They have an opportunity to accept the cornerstone, the foundational element of truth. And this might just be yours. This might be your moment to choose to believe, to choose to restore, to choose to rebuild to tear out some, some belief that you had in your life where you thought you were building your life on a secure career. You thought you were building your life on a secure marriage. You thought you were building your life on the security of a degree. And we get to a season like this that nobody saw coming and every one of those foundations is being shaken and tested and crumbling. And you're at a spot where you're like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. I don't know what else to believe. Let's, let's begin today to believe on something that will not shake, that will not alter, that will not move, that will not crumble. 
And if that's your story today, if that's your life, if that's the decision that you are just prompted in the spirit of God in your heart right now to make, you feel that movement, that moment, I want you to speak up. You know, just as I said at the very beginning, there's people, there there's stories and lives that are being kind of held hostage. They're holding themselves hostage because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to say. They don't know where to turn. Speak up. Say something. We got connectors, connections team in our chat room right now who would be willing to help you and identify with you. We call it the online hub. That's the place where everybody goes to find where do I go next. We are, we are there to help. It's our mission. It's our method. It's our motive in life to just help you take your next step on your walk or on your journey to find and follow Jesus Christ. And to some of you, it may be the first step you take. What if you got bold today and say, you know what, I need, I need to put this foundation in. I need to accept this cornerstone, this powerful name of Jesus. For some of you, it's a, it's a rejection of what you've been doing, and I need to come back. Make it vocal today. Let's move forward in our faith. Get bold. Make that statement. Make that move. God, I want to pray and just ask you over our church today, the ones who are listening, the ones who are recognizing this, and the ones who are just being just connected in their heart about you and about what you want, Lord, that you would just help them to see the moments, the areas of our life where we have rejected Christ as cornerstone, as king, and we've put in something far inferior. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to do some demo in our lives today. Cast that out. Put in this rock-solid corner foundation. Lord, we don't want to recognize the fact that we were maybe wrong. We don't want to choose to recognize the fact that maybe we were depending on our own effort, our own ability. God, give us the boldness to be able to look at that and say, I got to get rid of that and choose this cornerstone, this Jesus in my life. Lord, I pray for those that are here for the very first time, the ones who are recognizing this, the ones who are beginning to find and foster faith in their lives, that you would just help them to accept this gift today, this gift of salvation. Lord, we just pray that strength, that myth, that motive and that method over their lives today. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, don't move forward with this without making a comment, without saying something to somebody. You can message me. You can use our online connection card. You can send us a private Facebook message. Whatever it takes, just make sure that you're following up, that you're making a connection with the decision that you need to make in your life today. Man, what a fun day this has been, even though, you know, we're still distanced. It's church as we know it right now. And I want to thank you for being here today. Hey, um, I don't think we've ever said this on here, but we also do a rebroadcast of this message at 5 o'clock on YouTube Sunday afternoon. So if you missed it, if you want to share it with somebody else, it's right here. You can always come back here and just watch it right on Facebook as well. Thanks so much for being here. We will see you next week.